Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 7. Now, if you saw me go out here a while ago, I went outside, and it dawned on me I left my phone. And I used this phone. Uh, you've sort of gotten used to it when I've been here for Sunday school. I set the alarm to go off so we can leave and be on time for the next service. And uh, so I had forgotten, and I went to get it. And, um, but I'm glad you're here today. On this July the 4th, uh, a lady said to me a while ago about uh, happy July 4th. I said, do you know what year this is for our country? She said, 245. I said, that's pretty good. She said, well, 45 years ago, she and her husband got married. And uh, that's how she remembered it. And uh, so that's pretty good. She got married on our 200th birthday. And uh, obviously, uh, when you talk about the flag, I love this country. And uh, there really is no country like this country. This country is not all that it used to be. And uh, I don't like necessarily the direction that it's going. You know, I tell some people sometimes, young guys who want to look for a wife, I say, no, look, don't, don't look at the face. Oh, that's okay. It's good to have a, a pretty face. But don't look at the figure. Oh, that's okay. That's all right, too. But you want to look at their feet. <laughs> you look at their feet to see which way they're going. You know, the Bible talks about in Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, it has a lot to say about uh, that woman and said her steps take hold on hell. So you look at their feet to see which way they're going. Now, right now, if you look at the feet of America, you don't necessarily like the direction that we're going. And uh, I don't. And one of the things that could turn that around is the passage that I'm going to read to you out of the book of Second Chronicles chapter 7. Now, if you've been in church for any length of time at all, you know that Second Chronicles 7.14 is probably the verse in all the Bible about revival. And uh, so let's begin reading at verse 1 of Second Chronicles chapter 7. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. I would that when I got through praying, the glory would show up. And the priests could not enter to the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For his good and his, for his mercy endureth forever. Now that's some good praying, is it not? that the glory of the Lord would come down and the glory of the Lord would fill the house and that the people would respond by saying, for he is good, his mercy endureth forever. And you've heard me say when I uh, have taught this and say, I give you three quick facts about the Lord. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. That's biblical, that's what the Bible teaches. And we must never forget that the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. And the passage goes on talking about Solomon, who, when he had finished his prayer, and uh, the glory of the Lord came down, and uh, the Bible says in verse 11, thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all that came from into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he prosperously effected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. You know, one of the things that bothers me about Solomon 
God appeared to Solomon twice. And he still messed up at the end. Many outlandish women turned his heart away from the Lord. To think that he would build a house to a false god after building the house to the true God. But it just goes to show you, the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who could know it? You should never say, well, I'd never do that. You know, there's not a person in this room that under the right circumstances is not capable of committing the worst sin that you could think of. You know, wherefore, let him that standeth take heed lest he fall. You know, we need to always stay close to the Lord and, and to seek his face and to ask him to help us. And uh, we don't want to do what's wrong. We want to do what's right. Uh, so it's imperative that we stay close to the Lord. And so the Lord appeared to him and he said, I've heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself or in house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And verse 15, now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. And again, three quick facts about the Lord. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. And would you pray with me and for me, please? Lord, for just a few moments, would you speak to all of our hearts and bless us and use us? In Jesus' name, amen. God knew that we're so prone to, like the songwriter wrote it, prone to, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And if you read in the Old Testament, how many times people forgot God, and the reason they forgot God is they forsook his commandments. And if you forsake his commandments, if you forget the word of God, if you don't stay in the word of God, then you're liable to forget the Lord. And, uh, and if my people uh, turn and search after other gods, shall not God search this out? And when America's doing what it's doing right now, we have become, uh, we were founded on the Judeo-Christian ethic. We were founded on the true God. But today we're very pluralistic, but still the Bible emphasis here is, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their, their land. I don't think in the last number of years there has not gone a, a day gone by but what I have not quoted in my heart or prayed, Second Chronicles 7.14. And uh, God put that in the Bible for a reason. And God wants to let his people know that he's, he's always available. There's an interesting passage in Hosea chapter 13 and verse 9. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. What a thought. Left to ourselves, we'll destroy ourselves. You know, one of the worst judgments that God can let happen on a nation or on a person's life is just let them alone. Let them do what they want to do. And pretty soon we'll be like the prodigal, and the more we get what we thought we wanted, the less we will want it. And realize what we were looking for all the time was in the Father's house, was with the Father. And may we have enough sense like that young man when he came to himself, 
he decided, I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell my father that I've sinned against heaven. I'm not worthy to be called his son. Make me a hired servant. Of course, his father would have none of that. And uh, he threw him a party. And he came back. Now, you have to understand that you can come back, but not everybody's happy that you do. His brother wasn't happy, but uh, the father sure was. And so here in the Old Testament where God has dealt with these kinds of things, uh, I've noticed in the king's story of the kings, the kings look at the kings of Israel from the king of Israel's point of view. And the king of Israel is the northern tribes. And the chronicles look at the kings from the Judah point of view. And starting with, there was David and Solomon and Rehoboam. And then the Bible lists a number of kings. And those kings in Second Chronicles, they are the kings of Judah. And the revivals that come from these kings come not from all of those kings. And there are a number of them mentioned. One of the phenomenons is this good king could have a bad son. And then maybe that bad son could father a very good king. And uh, you have good revivals, the revival under Asa, the revival under Uzziah, and Jotham was a, a pretty good guy, had some good things. And then there was the revival under Hezekiah and revival under Josiah. But in between some of those guys, there were some very wicked kings. A good man like, like Hezekiah could foster a Manasseh who ruled longer than anybody else of the kings of Judah, and he was a very wicked man. But the amazing thing is, if I'm understanding and reading the Bible right, Manasseh got in. Now, do not think because of that. Well, that's, that's where I'm going. I'm going to live, do my own thing, and go my own way, and then later when I get older, I'll turn to the Lord. First of all, you don't know that you would turn to the Lord. Secondly, you may have not be of the right mind to turn to the Lord. And if you wait till that long, trust me, sin leaves scars in our life. Yeah. Uh, you know, the closer you get to the Lord, the more sensitive you are about the things of the Lord. And the closer you get to the Lord, there are times when you wish you could, there's a few days you wish you could push the delete button on. You would not have done the things that you did on those days. Now, in those days, though, you know, you're still thinking, you're in charge, you're the master of your own faith, you're the captain of your own soul, you can run your own life. And then you run, learn that that's just not true. So in this, in this text, in this context, after the glory of the Lord has come, after Solomon had made an end of praying, and God tells him, I've heard your prayer. And then there are four little words that are very powerful little words in two verses, in verse 13 and verse 14. And that little word mentioned four times is if. Yeah. If. You know, the word if can be used and sometimes the assumption is true and you use the word if and sometimes the assumption is not true. For example, I said to you, if you'll jump over the moon, I'll give you a new car. Now, I'm assuming it's not true. You're not going to jump over the moon. But uh, I said to Miss Judy, if you like cherry pie, we'll go out to eat dinner. Well, I'm in for dinner because she loves cherry pie. So there the if is, the assumption is true. And here, God is saying if. You might wonder, what, what do critters, weather, weather critters, and uh, pestilence 
and God have to do with the situation at hand? Well, the if word is used by the Lord four times. And he said in verse 13, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain. He may or may not shut up the heaven. It depends upon what they do. You know, God said, if you'll do what's right, I'll, I'll make sure you get the rain. And you'll get the latter rain. And your crops will grow and you will have a harvest. And then he said, if I command the locusts to devour the land. And uh, right now, it's not locusts, but it's those uh, cicadas that are up in the, the New England area. And uh, the book of Joel is about the invasion of, of the army of the locusts and what they did to the land. And then the locusts were in one of the judgments upon the land of Egypt. God is saying, if I, if I withhold the rain, if I send the locusts or command the locusts to devour the land, if I send pestilence among my people. Now, would you think that uh, COVID is a pestilence? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion I may be wrong about this, and whoever I would have to apologize to later is, I think one day we're going to learn that this was a, I'm not saying it wasn't real, don't get me wrong, but maybe how we treated it was a, uh, a big scam. And uh, to think that uh, a little mask is going to stop, that'd be like putting up chicken wire to keep out the dust from your chickens. Uh, you know, that, that's not going to work. Uh, but if the pestilence comes, and then the fourth if, if my people, and now all of these, whether is this the assumption that it's not true or the assumption that it is true? Well, all of these is, you, you know, you have a choice on whether or not God's going to withhold the, the rain or whether God's going to command the locusts to devour the land or whether God is going to send the pestilence. And then this fourth if is, if my people, I just like that thought, my people. It's not the first time in Chronicles that that thought is given to us, my people. I remember the day I was reading in Psalm 100, and I just got stuck by a thought. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all your lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye not that he is God, he is the Lord of the maintenance, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And that thought, we are his people. You know, we belong to him. If he is our possessor and we are his possession, we're his people the sheep of his pasture. Do you think the Lord is interested in what happens to his people? Is, is the Lord pleased when his people do right? Of course. Is the Lord pleased when his people do wrong? No, he's not pleased. We're his people. And here he said, if my people, which are called by my name. Now, we are, now we're not part of Israel, but even today, we are called by his name. We are a Christian. By the way, Christian is not the name that they took for themselves. It was the name that the people at Antioch called them. They were so much like Christ. You're a Christian. You're a Christite. You're a follower of Christ. And I would that all of us would be spiritual-minded after the Holy Spirit, and we would be godly after God, and that we are called by his name. Uh, we are... We are born into his family. 
He is our Father. And Jesus said when you pray, you pray our Father. Now, he didn't say you pray my Father, you pray our Father. It's like we're all in this together. And uh, what we want for us, we would want for other of God's people as well. That's why we say our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Uh, give, us, give us this day our daily bread. And uh, he, he's talking about our and us. We are his people. And then he says, if you'll do four things, I will do three things. Now, the four things are, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. How much money do you need to be able to do those things? None. How smart do you have to be able, have, have, how much intelligence or how much talent or how much whatever do you have to possess to do those things? All of these things are a matter of the heart. These four things are something that his people, he called them my people, can do. And then he said, now, if you will do those four things, I will do these three things. Then... If, da, 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 then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Does heaven need to hear from us, hear us, so we could hear from heaven? Do we need to have our sin forgiven? Do you in your heart Agree with me that we need to have our land healed. What's amazing is, would you look at the next verse? God is saying, if you'll do this, I'm going to hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sin, heal your land. Now, having said this, watch this. Now, mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attent. Paying attention, as it were unto the prayer that is made in this place. Can you imagine after God has said what he has just said? And he's saying, now if you'll do that, my eyes will be upon you and my ears attend. God has just told us what to do and then he's like, I'm watching, I'm listening, I'm hearing. Think about how gracious God is. And how good God is to us. You would have thought that if we did wrong as many times as we do wrong, that God would say, okay, buddy, enough for you. It's over for you. You'd thought that had been the way it was with the people of God in the Old Testament, in 2 Chronicles. They would do some wonderful things, and then all of a sudden, they would stub their toe in a big way. They would forsake the commandments of the Lord they would forget the Lord and go into terrible sin. You know, that's the book of Judges. Uh, they would do wrong. God would bring oppression. They would cry out to God. God would send a deliverer. Things would go well, and then they would do wrong, and then the cycle is repeated. In the New Testament, the book of Acts, they would send prayer up. Power would come down. The people would go forth. 
and the preaching would be sent out and the people would come in and they would be converted and then they would pray and then the power would come down. It just went through that cycle, that cycle. And God is simply saying, if you do these four things, I will do these three, three things. Now, what are these four things? Well, he said, if number one, if you will humble yourselves. Well, that sounds simple enough, doesn't it? Except you and I have a little problem with a thing called P-R-I-D-E. And we don't want to humble ourselves. To humble ourselves, it's a you first. But we like me first. Uh, and how many times does the Bible teach us to humble ourselves? If you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. If you exalt yourself, you'll be abased. And uh, there were some pretty wicked people in the Bible, like Ahab. There was none like Ahab who did sell himself to do evil. But one day he humbled himself. Ahab. And God said, because he's humbled himself, I'm going to suspend judgment on him for a while. Wasn't that good of God to do that? When people humble themselves. Now, the Apostle Paul, he said, by the space of this many years, I've, I've served the Lord with all humility and tears. Now, when you start talking about the humility that you have, most of us would have thought, well, when you think you're humble, you're probably not. I'm humble. Uh, I wrote a book on uh, three famous people and how I met the other two. <laughs> well, I wrote a book on humility and how I obtained it. Uh, that's different than what the Bible is talking about. If you humble yourself, it's, uh, you, you are submitting unto his authority and under his leadership. And uh, because of time, and our time is just about over, so I'm not going to run down some references, but you might get a concordance out and look up the word humble and uh, see what happened when people humble themselves. Uh, you know, pride is, uh, God hates pride, but he loves humility. So he said, if you'll humble yourself and then pray, uh, God wants his house to be a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves, he said. We think today that God's house ought to be a house of entertainment or a house of, you could say, music or a house of preaching or whatever. But God said his house ought to be a house of prayer. It doesn't mean that you may not can do some preaching and have some music and fellowship and that kind of thing. But God greatly values prayer. And uh, he wants us to pray. And men ought always to pray and not to faint. And God just wants us to pray. It's one of the things that everybody in this room believes in. But we don't always practice it as we believe in it. Uh, Jesus said, you have, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. If you ask and you shall receive, you seek and you shall find, you knock and it will be opened to you. Why don't we ask, seek and knock more often? Did not James say you have not because you ask not? Just ask him. And he said, if you ask, you'll receive. He is saying, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. 
Then he said, and seek my face. Everybody's seeking something. So what am I seeking? What are you seeking? Are you seeking his face? And uh, if you're seeking his face, you're not behind his back. Or he's not back behind your back. You're seeking his face. You know, it was Jonah who rose up to flee from the presence of the Lord. To think about that. To run, to get away from his presence. And to get away from his face. Uh, he said, I want you to seek his face. Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon his name while he is near. Everybody, at some time or another, if they've been exposed to Bible truth, will seek the Lord. Maybe in a, a bed of affliction or the doctor has said there's nothing else I can do or you find yourself the first day in hospice or whatever. Seek my face. And the fourth if was, and turn from their wicked ways. Now it's hard to admit that we're wicked. It's hard to admit that we're a sinner. And yet we all know that we are, but we, we don't go around telling people, that's what you know what a wicked man I am. Because we're afraid they'll say, yeah, I observed that. I have observed that too. Uh, turn from their wicked ways. Uh, you know, the, the sin in the Bible is, for example, just in Ephesians, he says, put away lying, stealing, corrupt communications, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and malice. Most of us, when we talk about thinking about wrong, we say, well, I didn't murder anybody. I didn't rob a bank. I didn't go do, and we name off the big sins. As if there were such a thing as big sins or little sins. You know, sin really is sin. Now, I understand that uh, I'd rather a guy uh, steal something from me than to take my life. You agree with that? Uh, but anyway, he is talking about putting away evil. Turning, which is like a, a repenting, turning away from evil. So God is saying, are you willing to do this? Are you willing to humble yourself? Does America need humbling? And uh, does America need to pray? Does America need to seek God's face? Well, there was a time when we have sought his face. And it seemed like there was just a little, I've heard this word here a number of times, a snippet. After 9-1-1, there was a little snippet of America turning to try to seek God's face. It lasted about a week or two. And then the fourth thing was turn from their wicked ways. Now, if we do that, then God said, then will I hear from heaven. And God said, I will forgive their sin. And thirdly, I will heal their land. You know, when God does something in the Bible, he does it quickly. And so I've thought about our country. You know, we didn't get to where we are right now overnight. But did you know that under the right conditions, God could turn it around overnight? Yes. You know, what would it be like if... Uh, the president, the vice president, Congress, Senate, people who are governors and so forth, if they were all to repent of their sins 
and get on national television and say we have sinned and we've asked God's forgiveness and, and what would happen in this country? If you think about starting, in, when Jonah went to Nineveh, it started with the top, all the way down to the animals even. Yes. Uh, this thing could turn around so quickly. But if you're going to look to the White House or the schoolhouse or the courthouse or maybe yours and my house, those are where the problems have been anyway. And, uh, but there's nothing that's going on in America right now that could not be turned around where God would hear, forgive, and heal our land. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Dear Lord, we thank you for the truth of the scriptures and we pray, Lord, that your will be done in Gospel Baptist Church, Winkler Road Baptist Church, in each of our lives. You're a good God and a wonderful Savior. We extol thee, we bless thy name. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. In Christ's name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.